Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched The Box Trolls, directed by Graham Annabel and Anthony Starchi, and released in 2014. The plot goes something like this. A boy called Eggs is raised by creatures called box trolls who live under the streets of Cheesebridge. Social climbing local Archibald Snatcher tries to exterminate the box trolls in return for a prestigious white hat. I didn't even know the place was called Cheesebridge. Things Reading you, it now is the first out. thing I found out. <laughs> they do mention it, but sort of not really. Okay. I guess it's not sort of relevant, except they like to do the whole running joke about stinky cheese. Yeah, the che- the cheese and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, box trolls. Yeah, was a thing. It that we saw still is a thing, and we just saw it. Yep. So I quite I, I admire this movie th- for the reason I always admire movies about for its social commentary and all of its stuff about the workers controlling the means of production and the way the bourgeois squashed down the working classes and in their efforts to try and emulate the upper classes. Loved it. Loved that bit. Yes. Um, I really didn't enjoy this very much. And I've been trying to figure out why I didn't enjoy it very much. I think one of the reasons I didn't enjoy it very much was the whole look of the thing. I found it really unpleasant to look at. Right. Like really unpleasant. And like a lot of the time I was like, wow, I could really appreciate the amount of work that went into making the, the you know, puppets mm-hmm. and doing the stop, stop motion. And I was still like, yeah, I don't like looking at this. I okay. had this like unpleasant feeling the whole time oh. I was watching. So I kind of liked the... But I think it's either a love it or hate it. It's that really that Leica Studios. The, they did Coraline. They did Paranorman. But see, I they've really got a like real Coraline and Paranorman and the way they aesthetic. look. Yeah, and I don't like the way this looked. It's something about like, you know how they the faces were weird colors and mm-hmm. like it just everything about it kind of just made me kind of go. Ugh. Oh, okay. I said it out loud a few times. Oh. I didn't. Yeah. Okay. I didn't even hear you do that. Um, I quite liked it. Yeah. I did. I had no problem. Well, the bugs with the, were a particular problem. Look for and me. feel. And I. Yeah. And I thought the bugs were funny. So. Yeah. You don't. You know how I feel about bugs. But there was a, mm. like when he the allergic reactions happened and his. Fa- oh, that was pretty gross. All but that I didn't. Stuff. I don't know. I kind of. I, obviously, it was deliberate, and I. I don't know. I kind of. I. I quite enjoyed the grotesqueness of it all. I. I, I liked it. I loved the little world underneath with its metal and its that funny little clock with all the different numbers and the I love the um like water slide kind yeah. of roller coaster way you get into the box trolls lair. I found the steampunk underneath world a lot more pleasant than mm. the above world. Right. Like but even then no, just every like all of the faces and all of the the way that they decided to d- d- design this. Okay. I found unpleasant. And that's something that I think colored the whole movie for me. Oh, okay. Because I was spending a lot of the time trying to find things that I liked in the visuals. Mm. I had a couple of other problems with it as well. Mm. Like the thing with mothers. Mm. They they go on and on about fathers. Every relationship in this movie is with a father. The little girl's relationship with her mother belly exists. Mm. And when she talks about, like, he uh, Eggs, who doesn't know doesn't his father because he's been rela- raised. Well, yes, this is what I mean. Mm. He's been raised by box trolls. and All of whom seem to be male. All of whom seem to be male. I counted, uh, like, I, the first glimpse of a woman is after the title comes up. Mm. And also there's that really unpleasant thing where the bad guy tr- cross-dresses, mm. which I found really unsettling. Yeah, I was quite disturbed by the the sort of um, homophobic, femophobic humour that comes out of that. 
I was thinking like transphobic. Yeah, kind sorry, of a transphobic. Thing. That's the word. It's um, but it sort of comes from that that place of oh, I couldn't possibly be attracted to another man kind of thing. That yeah, that's always really a nasty, unpleasant humor. Yeah, and really sort of like not appropriate. Yeah, and while the best character, in my opinion, in this movie is a girl, she's basically the only girl. You see her mother like twice and that's it. Mm. Everybody else in this movie is male. Everybody who matters yep. is male. Everybody who affects anything is male. And the only other person we ever see who is, who's presenting as female is actually a man dressing in drag to further his own social standing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, really, really unpleasant sort of thing. And like when they would, because there was that scene particularly where she's talking about, he says, what's a father? And she's like, a father is the one who takes care of you and looks after you. And I'm like, you have two parents. <laughs> like, mm. well, not everybody has two parents, obviously, but she does. Yeah. And she has uh, male, female parents. Well, there's a song plays over the credits about how some kids have two mums and some kids have two dads. Yeah, but that doesn't, and, um, that doesn't, and, that doesn't play but, out in the movie no, at exactly. all. No, exactly. Like, well, except at the very end where Eggs is seen with Fish and his, and Jelly, his real dad. I don't know what Jelly's name is. No, I don't. Oh, yeah. it's, um, Tropshaw. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they're right off together with, with Eggs. Like they're, like he's got two dads. That's the only time you ever see that play out. It's, it is, it's very, very boy centric and with one, Admittedly, awesome girl character, but only one. Oh yeah, she was the best. Um, yeah. No, I I was going to talk about fish and his dad and stuff. Oh, them riding off with two dads and him and Jelly and Fish. Right. No, I don't remember what it was going to be. Okay. Anyway, uh, I just yeah, I I mean the the work is controlling their work and everything, but then like yeah, the male centricness of it was really weird. Mm. It was really unpleasant and an unfriendly environment. Because <laughs> the only kid in the cinema that I saw was a little girl. Yeah. So she's watching this. There were um, about five people in the cinema, though. Yeah, there were. Which not is not a lot of people. Mm, yeah, considering the work and budget that's gone into this, it's not doesn't seem to be hitting a chord with people. No, and I'm wondering. I think I'm wondering if part of that might be the look of it, or maybe yeah, the lack of it's good, certainly a bit out there. The lack of good advertising for it. Yeah. The lack of because I went into it not knowing what it was about really, and I think a lot of people felt like that. Mm. Like, what is Box Trolls about? Uh, yeah, me too. And I um, it seems like like it's quite niche. Paranorman certainly had a lot more oomph behind it. Well, I think and also Coraline did too. I think if they'd put some advertising effort into, well, I think both of those movies are better. But I think if they'd put more effort into doing some other stuff, like focusing a campaign around the cute Box Trolls or something. Yeah, like. You know, like the minions or something mm, like that could have worked. Nothing has there. Like it's been um, so quiet. Or a campaign around Richard Ayoade and Nick Frost's characters, mm. like a trailer that features them very heavily because they're really funny. Yeah, they're the henchmen of the bad guys who think they're good guys. Yeah, and they do a great job. Richard Ayoade, I think, is one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, he's, um, he is. Yeah, the two of them with their musings on life and what is the nature of good and evil and all mm, that sort of stuff. Mm. And then they've got their little psycho friend. <laughs> Who comes yeah, in? Played by Tracy Morgan. Uh, yeah, who comes in and hits things. Mm. Um, so that was really fun. Yeah, actually, he reminded me a little bit of the bat from. Um, oh yeah, the yeah, great for, mouse for, detective. Yes, <laughs> my foot, my foot. Yeah, that, that guy. guy. <laughs> so yeah, that's that sort of. It's one of those things where, like, I enjoyed it and got into it while I was watching it. Although I was disturbed by the lack of women, but I, but it's one of those things where it's like, do you know the phrase progressive? Like mm. it's it's quite progressive in its social values, yet it's really regressive in its social values at the same time. So it's like all about the oppression of the upper and middle classes and the way the working class need to stand up for themselves and the power of the workers and the people. But then at the same time, it's 
gender politics are just terrible mm. and it's transphobic. It's got that really transphobic bit about the Jared Harris's character hating himself because he's attracted to a, a man in drag. And, and then, Although that line was good. Which I regret so many things. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty good. But I like, yeah, it, it's, it's problematic. Um, well, the, and, and the fact that the biggest villain wasn't like the biggest villain was the middle class guy struggling to make it to the top of society, not the upper class guy who was working his hardest to push him, the middle classes out, keep the middle classes out. Who was at least as bad. Yeah. Yeah. He, with less or murder. Or worse, right? Yeah. Or worse. But it's like, because he was just staying in his place. He looked better. Like he, it was a bit. That was a bit disturbing. Yeah, yeah. It was. Like when you when you think that about those politics. And uh, what was the other thing that really? I think there's a couple of bits. Whenever the kids were together, I enjoyed it. Um, they had a good. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say chemistry because that isn't the right word, but they had a good little rapport going on. Right. Yeah. She was terrific. She really God, was. She's great. So Winifred is the daughter of this lord, and she's um, obsessed with like. The concept of getting killed by the box trolls and getting her entrails ripped out. <laughs> oh, the best line is when she's like, "Do they kill your family? Did they let you watch? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did did you get to watch? Did you watch? <laughs> did, you, did they make you watch? Um, and when they when he comes to the her fancy ball and he does the, um, look them in the eye and shake their hands, and so he's looking everybody in the eye and like waving his yeah, hands, and doing <laughs> spirit fingers type thing. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> um, it's a pleasure to meet you with his hands <laughs> waving in the air was my oh, favorite that was part. Cute. And how do I tell which ones are the females? Yeah, that was yeah. that was really that was cute. cute. I liked that a lot. I liked who she became with him because she was so neglected but so little girl bossy sort of take charge. Awesome. Tell yeah. everybody what to do kind of a kid, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um and I I loved her. I loved everything that she did. She was mm. terrific. Well, she was she was apart in- from the weird accent. Yeah, like Elf El- they had an American actress Elle Fanning play her for reason with a British accent for reasons which are not clear. They could have just hired a British girl, whatever, doesn't matter. She was a lovely character, just there was some the accent was a bit weird. Um Or let her be Oh no, they couldn't really let her no, be American because Jared such Harris a British, is the father. Well, it's also, very British. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a British world that they're inhabiting. Yeah, it's a weird decision. Like, they probably had to spend more money to get her. Anyway. But, so they, they hired, you know, she was in, she was in Maleficent doing the same not quite right accent, mm. wasn't she? And we complained about it there. <laughs> We're complaining about it again. Anyway. Yeah, like, the but the character though was great. And, and as you say, neglected. But at the same time, because she's grown up as the daughter of a lord, she's got this fabulous confidence and, like, self-assurance about the way she does things and the way the world runs and it, that people will obey her. And I like her interest in being the centre of attention because she doesn't get any attention at home and all that mm. sort of thing was really interesting. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it strikes me as so odd. And one of the screenwriters was actually female. Oh, okay. Good. I noticed when the credits came up. I was like, when then why is everybody male except her? Like, yeah. I just don't get it. But, yeah, she and she's so good. Yeah. So clearly they can write female characters, so why yeah. not write more than one? They must like, – I mean, they were, I know they're working from a book, but I, I don't know. I don't know why. Then put some in. Peter Jackson did it. Yeah, exactly. Make like, some up. <laughs> you, you, you have the freedom P- to do Jackson, that. Peter Jackson, for some reason, is in the credits of this. Was he? Something. I didn't he's, notice he's him. He's part of the thanks, along with Jonathan Groff. <laughs> now, I want to know which Jonathan Groff it is. Yeah, so I tried looking that up, but I um, – uh, Well, maybe it's a Joey Richter type situation. I don't know. Let's have a look. Did we mention that in the in the Maze Runner podcast? Oh, no, we didn't. So in the Maze Runner, Katie, and at the end of the Maze Runner, in the credits, spots Joey Richter in the credits as additional ADR. Mm-hmm. And um, Joey Richter is from Starkid, which is the group that Darren Chris from Glee came out of. 
and they're this fun little comedy musical troupe. Yeah. And it was him. So yeah. Katie tweeted, she's like, is that Joey Richter I see in the credits of The Maze Runner? And Joey Richter tweeted back like immediately saying, yes, I did some additional ADR on that that movie. I well was so spotted. proud. <laughs> I was so proud. I was so pleased yeah. with myself that so you tweeted the, me back. In the thanks of this one, we see Jonathan Groff. And there's two Jonathan Groffs. There's one who is the was the showrunner of Happy Endings. Was or, he the showrunner? He was just an exec producer, producer, I think. Anyway, he's a producer on Happy Endings. And there's Jonathan Groff, who's the well-known Broadway actor who was in Frozen. And we don't know which one it was. <laughs> which is amusing to me. There was also a guy in the credits for this called Matt Zilla. His name was Matt Zilla something, which amused me. But yeah, when I was watching hey, the I'm credits. Hey, I'm writing that down as future baby name. That sounds great. <laughs> um, when I was watching the credits, um, I saw that one of the scriptwriters was female, which really blew my mind. There's mm. also a bit at the end, which was great, but not for the movie. Oh, the post-credits bit? Yeah. There's a post-credits bit where... Um, Richard Ayoade and Nick Frost's characters who are called Mr. Trout and Mr. Something. Uh, yeah, Nick Frost is Mr. Trout. I don't know what. Oh, let me look it up. Okay. Um, and they Mr. Pickles d- and Mr. Mr. Pickles. Trout. Yeah, there you go. Um, and they do a great post-credit sequence about what it's like to do the stop-motion animation. Mm. Where they're like, did you ever think of the nature of the universe and that maybe we're tiny, tiny people who are being animated by bigger people like that yeah. thing? Which is terrific, but would have been a good DVD extra or something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work because it's totally breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, it weirded out the kid behind us. Yeah, she had no idea what was going on. She was, was like, going what's on? going on? Because it zooms out to the, the filmmakers moving them around Yeah, and then zooms back in again and it completely freaked out the kid behind us. Yeah. weirded her out. And I don't think that's appropriate for the movie. I think that's great for DVD extras yeah. or like a little promotional material or something. Mm. And it was really funny. Yeah. I mean, it was really like great, you know, the voice actors really doing yeah. their thing and Richard Ayoade doing his thing, his, you know, like that's his comedy style and it yeah. works, but not as part of the movie because it takes you out of the movie too much. Mm-hmm. It breaks that fourth wall. It removes the audience and it's too knowing. Mm. And I didn't think that was fair, especially if not if the movie's for kids. Yeah. Well, that's another another thing. It's one of those ones in that awkward, it's aimed at middle schoolers kind of age, which seem, I don't know why, they seem not very good at marketing them. We watched this movie and there was like 10 crappy trailers for really terrible G-rated movies mm. in front of it. This was, which, this was so much better than any of those movies looked. But for some reason, they can do movies, they can occasionally do a good movie for toddlers or small children like Frozen that has appeal across like Frozen appeals to preschoolers all the way up to like teenagers, yes. right? I, I was going to say for that's, toddlers, yeah. <laughs> but it appeals like you can watch that with a four-year-old and they will love it. But this is not something you can watch with a, like a five-year-old. It's a middle. You have to watch it sort of. It's like fourth grade and up. Like you wouldn't be wanting to watch it with really little little kids. I don't think. I think that would be scary. I think I agree with you, but also in that it's also not very good for those years because the box troll characters are for little kids. Yep. Right? They're not for middle schoolers. Yeah. They talk in their own funny language and they have weird things. They like eating bugs and farting and they're, yeah, they're yeah. for There's little some, kids. That's little kid humor. But then the eggs and, and Winifred seem to be around between 10 and 12, so those middle yeah. years type kids. And a lot of the themes are much more middle years sort of themes. Yeah. But then some of the characters are more little kids. And then the bad guy, the bad guy is scary. Like, mm. I'm used to scary bad guys, but I just, every single time I had to look at him, I felt sick to my stomach. Right. Which is another part of that image issue is that I, I just I hated looking at him. Yeah, I, I said I didn't seem to have a problem with that. I'm the only one of the th- – we just watched it, all three of us, with our jelly. And um, it, he had issues with the way he was drawn as well. And I was just – I wasn't bothered by it. But that's maybe because I'm less visual. He's not drawn. 
he's clayed. Yeah, and there's you can see the dots on him uh, in parts, and like the way his hair falls is so greasy and nasty, mm. and and it, I mean, it, <laughs> obviously it works really well. Yeah, but it's so unpleasant to look at. I also noticed a few times when it seemed stop motiony, like it was like um. Oh, okay. What's that called? You know, when it's still, 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 where you could see uh, the staccato. I don't know what it's called. It, where you could see the yeah. breaks. I thought oh, that was okay. weird, especially for a, cinema, a studio who's been doing this for so long and who does such a good job of it. It was really odd to me to see that. I must have missed that. I didn't that. like that. And then, I mean, it, it tonally, it didn't really know what it was doing. I don't think. Mm. Um, like the aesthetic of it was was complete. Yeah. The sounds, the music, all of that fit into the aesthetic of it, but tonally, it kind of uh, it was a bit less consistent again because yeah. I think they were trying to appeal to a broader audience, but it wasn't going to appeal to a broader audience. Mm. And so maybe if they'd focused it a little bit more, I don't know. Interesting. I just didn't. I didn't. I, I felt very unsettled a lot in this. Okay. Um, some of the humor was really broad, and some of it was very specific. Yeah. You know, like some of it is falling down and tripping and fart jokes, fart jokes. Like yeah. the, the difference between the box trolls and the humans. The humans is all sophisticated, more sophisticated humor, and the box trolls are all really broad, well, jokey apart from humor. The drag show, which is really sort of broad based humor. Yes, but yeah, I I think most of the the it was that kind of like knowing I understand what the proletariat and the you know I understand what the workers and the middle class yeah. and the high upper class are. Yeah, and then some of it was like, "Oops, I fell over. Look, let's throw bugs at each other." Or um, milk turns into curds way, and yes. then and then the one man band does a boom tish. Yes. <laughs> The one-man band running uh, joke I actually appreciated because yeah. I sort of was paying attention to it. Yeah. And there's a point near the end because a lot of the music is actually being generated by the one-man band. It's diegetic. It's diegetic, exactly. Yeah. And there's a moment where, like, he's provided all this music and then suddenly everybody goes, <gasps> and he stops and he just collapses because yeah. he's so exhausted from making all that music about yeah. the exciting part of the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, it was very knowing. It was very... Mm. Like self-aware, yeah, yeah, oddly self-aware for a movie that they put so much effort into. I feel like Ooh, does that what make do you sense? Mean? What does that make sense? <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. oddly self-aware in the script for a movie where they have to move everybody individually all the time. Yeah, this doesn't seem like the format for a really self-aware movie. Okay, to me, see, it, to me, it seems like that would be exactly the kind of thing that would be self-aware because you're only getting one or two minutes of footage every week, so you actually probably spend a lot of time revising what you do on the fly. Yeah. But why waste all that time on in jokes? I don't know. <laughs> like they're not adding anything to the script. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I, some I of them know. worked. Like the, the, I think the one man band one worked, but some of them didn't. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, I think I just I feel a little bit. It's that I, I don't really know anything about who made this, but that crowd, that Simon Pegg, Nick Frost crowd, are, mm. are into in jokes big time. I want to be more positive about it, but because I didn't enjoy it. I, I was in that kind of mode already when I was watching okay. it. Yeah, no, I, and I found whereas, it very hard to find things that I did like apart from Winnie yeah. and her hair. Whereas, I, yeah, shit was great. Whereas I actually did enjoy watching it and I quite, it quite appealed to me. And if you've got, if you, if you're into kind of offbeat kids movies, I think it would probably appeal. Although that said, it isn't quite Coraline or Paranorman, but it's sort of. Or, Nightmare Before Christmas. I haven't seen that one. Um, or The Corpse Bride, mm. um, which are the Yeah. I can't remember his name. The the guy Tim Burton. No, it's not Tim Burton. Tim Burton wait, He's Tim Nightmare Burton did Christmas. make Corpse Bride, he did not make Nightmare Before Christmas. Didn't he? 
No. Oh, who made it? Was that? this other guy, and I can't remember his name. Oh, okay. Actually, Corpse. He might have also made Corpse Bride. I think Tim Burton wrote one of them. He was an executive producer on uh-huh. one of them, but he wasn't. He didn't make them. It was another director. Oh. Okay. Um. But those sorts of movies. Oh, you're right. Henry Selick. There you go. Nightmare that's his name. Christmas. But it has on the poster Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, which is because why... he was a producer or something on it. Yeah, which yeah. is why I've always thought that was. The yeah, case. that's fair. I understand why you thought that. And those movies are much more entertaining and like. Because I, I don't mind movies that appeal to kids who are a bit weird. Yeah, and, and slightly who, dark kids' movies. Yeah, slightly dark kids' movies are great, I think. Ha- um, House, what's the Monster House is a great movie. Mm. But those sorts of things that appeal to those to kids who have different ideas about the world and who do look at the world differently, that's great, right? But yeah. I feel like they still need to have yeah. a good story and, and all that sort of thing in them. Yeah, so I looked up Monster House. You know who wrote it? Who? Dan Harmon. Oh, there you go. Um, But directed by someone called Gil Keenan. It was his first movie. He was out of film school. I, for some reason, I remember this movie coming out. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, it's only a few. It's 2006. So I know, but I remember like really specifically world. the actual like uh, stuff around it. I thought that was quite good. That's quite a good movie mm. that's scary and for kids. I quite like scary kids movies for kids. Yeah, no, well, agreed. And that's kind of, I don't know, I kind of like this one. It was. It's not really scary. At least I didn't find it scary. See, I actually found it scarier than a lot of the other ones. Yeah. And I think it's because, I don't know, there's something um, – about the particular kind of visual thing they were going for. Yeah. So it's so greasy and nasty and grey and Yeah, but it's also very realistic. Like if as a kid I could I'm sure I knew like nasty old white men. Well, that's the thing is that I think I find it scary because it's more realistic, yeah. whereas something like The Corpse Bride or Nightmare Before Christmas is not at all realistic and therefore not scary. Mm. <laughs> yeah, whereas I find it scary in the, the better the devil you know kind of way. Right. Not, not scary in the better the devil you know kind of way. Yeah, no, I I think I find just find it the opposite way around. I I did think the bad guy in this was scary, and I think there's some genuine threat levels. Like you actually think the box trolls are dead. Yeah, at one yeah, point. There, there is actual real stakes, which is good. And the story, I thought the storytelling was really tight. I mean, in the movie, they think this box trolls are dead at one point, and I'm sure some kids think. But I, I mean, any adult surely knew that the box trolls weren't dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to our protagonist, there is genuine stakes and uh, but i really did i think thought the story storytelling was really tight i never once looked at my watch or got bored i didn't feel that way <laughs> you got bored i was bored yeah and i was bored in in funny places too oh okay like i wasn't bored in the scene in the warehouse with the bad guys that was a re- that was actually probably the highlight for me that was a really great scene because i think for me the highlights really are winifred and the lackeys and the yep. lackey's got a lot to do in that scene. And there's a moment when one of them says, I'm agreeing with you because I'm scared of you. Yes. <laughs> Which I thought was great. Oh, yeah. No, they were fantastic as the little Greek chorus of stating the obvious. Yeah. And especially. <laughs> what the- if we're not? What if we're evil? I mean, that, that's like, that's like good beating evil, evil beating good. And we're, we're good. I'm 60 to 70% sure that we're good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All of that stuff was really good. Yeah. And I suppose that's kind of knowing as well, but it's kind of in-universe knowing. Right. Like it, if you know about stories and they clearly did know about storytelling, yeah. then it kind of made sense. And then the little one would just say whatever he was thinking. <laughs> like <laughs> that. Chanting, 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 yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Which was probably why he reminded me so much of the Bat Guy. Mm. <laughs> so I love that character. Yeah, he was, well, he was great. And when I found it at the end, because you could hear that he was American all the way through, and when I found it at the end, he was Tracy Morgan. I was like, yep, that's playing to type. I don't know if my, my opinions are totally fair to the movie, given that I just found it really hard to watch. Yeah. And I also thought there were certain times when I'm like, you can't 
This kid never sees sunlight. Oh, oh, I have some questions. Okay, oh, how have- did he learn to talk? That is my primary that question. That was my number one question. How did he learn language when he spent his whole life with the box trolls? Yeah, and, and I might point out that she says at one point, they don't, you don't talk like them. And I was like, how did he learn yeah, to speak English? Yeah, no, I English? was asking exactly the same question. And sometimes the box trolls do speak English. Well, they, yeah, they well. have some words. They can read English. That, yeah, and also recognize English. Like fish is called fish, even though it only has a picture of a fish. Right. So they can recognize things and know what they are in English. Mm. So why don't they speak English? Why do they speak box trolleys? And why didn't they teach him? Like he can translate box trolleys, but when he talks to them, he speaks English. It doesn't I, it make doesn't any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Perhaps box trolls don't have developed vocal cords and stuff, so they're actually speaking English, but they... But they say eggs and they say fish and they say shoe. Mm. And at one point they say that way. But and- the rest of the time they don't actually... Articulate, they're like, like sim characters. The sim characters, simish is a language. Yeah, it, it that was my primary question. Secondly, my, I had that question too. Secondly, how did he never notice that he wasn't a box troll? Thirdly, he never sees sunlight, right? I wouldn't know. He doesn't eat a balanced diet I was, at I, all. I, I wanted to know bugs. how they dealt with his bodily functions when he was a baby. I wanted to know that too. <laughs> like, they have this tiny baby so it's clearly somebody is dealing with his like he's not able to deal with his own waste yet so wow what are they doing with that and what does he eat when do they feed him he doesn't bugs have his whole life when he's a baby so what is he eating yeah i was i had i had similar questions <laughs> i had so many questions around these box trolls raising a human baby that were yeah. not at all answered in but this then movie. again the humans that live above the ground seem to exist on mostly cheese with a little bit of fruit so, That's true. They do only seem to eat cheese and fruit through the whole thing. Although clearly not Archibald, what's his face, Snatcher, because he's um, deathly he's allergic deathly to cheese. Deathly allergic to cheese. So also, I felt like it was kind of making fun of people with allergies because mm. when he swelled up and he became the monster, and I was like, "You, if you're having an allergic reaction like that, it's really unpleasant for the person. You're kind of telling people with allergies that they look like monsters." Mm. I found yeah, that very unsettling. I, it is a bit disturbing that 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 was that they just made fun of it, like it was treated as this terrible thing, and he he refused to acknowledge it as well. Like he was he was so embarrassed by it, and it was just treated as this terrible thing. And they of do just- so much othering the other in this. Yeah, right. Like he's already the outsider. He, he's an outsider and he doesn't – he wants to fit in and he wants to be part of society. Right, you feel incredibly sorry. There's a heck of a lot of sympathy you can have for this guy. Because yeah, but he's, he's so awful of, and yeah. he kills people. I know. He's, Actually, he never killed anybody. No. He's, but he's But he awful. tried to kill the box trolls. Yeah, he, tried, he, he thought he had. But he's an awful person. But at the same time, you sort of know exactly where he's coming from. Like he's a social climber. That That's his – like the biggest – I'm sure some people in his know home. exactly where he's coming from. What what it's like to be a social climber? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure I do. That that's his biggest character flaw is social climbing, right? And pretty much in a capitalist society, we're all guilty of that. Pretty much, unless you're right at the top of it, everyone else is trying to climb some kind of greasy pole just to get, you know, even if it's just to get enough money to not have to work or to get enough money to work on what you want to work on to control the means of your production. Yeah, but he. So in that sense, he's quite relatable. I don't feel like that's what he wanted. What he wanted was clearly the status of being important. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't the money to do well, and it wasn't the no. He yeah, but uh, it wasn't so that he could take care of himself or any of that. It was it was the status this, yeah. of being 
important. Yeah, he wanted to be the top dog, right? And there's a very clear moment when um, Egg says, that doesn't make you you. That doesn't make you important. You make you, not your yeah. hat because the white hat is what he wants yeah. um, and not your, like, whether or not you can eat cheese is not important. Yeah. It's who you are as a person. And he was clearly a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, he was. But so were the people who were at the top of society. That yeah, he wanted to I emulate. did find it problematic that, like, and, and right at the end of the movie, very reluctantly, Winnie's father hands over the hat for her. And that was his big redemption moment, I guess. Mm. Like, how was he not a bigger villain in this? That's what I asked right at the beginning of the I know. podcast, right? It's the kind of movie that had to come out of somewhere like England because of the very clear class structure stuff that's in place in the society. Like, it's very English in that it's got a very clear aristocratic class who really don't like the middle class that sits below them. And then the middle class want to be part of the aristocratic class, but in order to do so, they have to further push down the working class and all that kind of it's very it's a very clear class system and that's why it feels very english and it's come out of very english brains as far as i can tell but then there's also yeah but then like there is that kind of you should stay in your class yeah yeah oh oh no exactly and then it ends up the villain is a middle class guy who wanted to get to the top which is what capitalist society teaches you in the middle class it's like if you just work hard enough or you try hard enough you will be at the top mm. and you won't be right yeah it doesn't happen and the upper classes have a vested interest in keeping but it's the also others out. kind of saying you sh- it shouldn't happen mm. you should just be happy with where you are unless you're at the bottom and then like you shouldn't work for the other guys which doesn't make sense but then yeah the fact that the lackeys were en- ended up as street cleaners and you're like what like do they deserve that they didn't do any they decided to do the right thing surely they should get redemption and get something nice instead of cleaning streets like i don't know what it was i I understand the message but i don't think it it really effectively got it across yeah some of the things were really unmessage friendly um yeah yeah well the fact that the very upper echelon still stayed in place as the very upper echelon whether or not they had their hats they still had their houses and their wealth and their status it's also interesting to note that uh, at least a couple of non-white people voiced white act- white characters in this. Mm, yeah. With Richard Ayoade and Ben Kingsley. I did notice that. Tracy Morgan too. And Tracy Morgan. That's yeah. right. So three non-white people were voicing white characters in this, yep. which I think is something that we should address more often. It happened in um, What's It as well, How to Train Your Dragon 2. Yep. I think that's really problematic. Well, um, uh, in How to Train Your Dragon 2, there was the one non-white actor – was given a character that was white but with dreadlocks and other mm. particular racial markers and he was the only – and he was the villain and he was the only one given racial markers. Yeah. Which is even worse. But this is bad because we've got actors of colour voicing – you know, everyone's the same colour but the actors are of different colours and different races. It's a peculiar kind of whitewashing that it can only exist in movies like this. In, in animation, But it yeah. is absolutely whitewashing. But it's, and, yeah, and the, well, there's something similar – Oh, I, wait, I was going to say Big Hero 6, which is coming up, but the whitewashing has already happened in the characters of that, so it's not – so there's the characters were whitewashed and then the actors are uh, too, I think, so it's not quite the same. Okay, Box Trolls, that's what we're actually talking about. Um, right, that's right. What are you giving it? Two stars. I'm giving it three. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. You can read our show notes, which are on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. You can read Katie's blog where she reviews movies sometimes when she's written them up, mm. Word, uh, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. I've had a really hard week. We're on Twitter at screen underscore queens. On Facebook, just search Silver Screen Queens. You'll find us. We're the pink logo. Uh, we're on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. And I think that's all. 
Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.